glory to you, O Christ. Our gospel this morning is from St. Luke, chapter 15, verses 1 through 3 and 11 through 32, and can be found starting on page 1623 in your pew Bible. Luke records, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. And then Jesus told them this parable. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, and he set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. And so he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, and he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again, and he was lost and is found And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants, and he asked him what was going on. Well, your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry, and he refused to go in. So his father, 
He went out and he pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all of these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property on prostitutes, when he comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother's, brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but now he is found. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Prodigal. Had to look it up just to make sure I was right, but I've always thought and said that this is a word that means rashly or wastefully extravagant. And also the second line of um, definition from the American Heritage Dictionary of English Language, 5th edition, says, giving or given in abundance, lavish or profuse, a cinnamon, <laughs> I knew I was going to do that, a synonym for profuse. Hold on to that. Today's gospel is from the great lost and found chapter of the Bible. It is a chapter that has one giant parable of three individual stories. The first story that was omitted today for the sake of time is from Luke chapter 15, verse 4, but you'll recall what it is. Luke records, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And then there is the story of the lost coin in Luke 15, verse 8. And it reads, Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses just one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And then finally, we have the story in today's gospel that there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. These three stories are a matched set. 
and it's too bad that we have such a short time in the church service that we don't have time to study all three stories together. Maybe that's a relief to some of you. Jesus told this triple parable in response to the arrogance of the Pharisees and the scribes. You'll recall that the Pharisees and the scribes, they just don't seem to get the point. It is especially evident when they say, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. They are saying that Jesus is doing what he is not supposed to be doing. They keep saying this as though Jesus should be ashamed of it when rescuing sinners is the whole point of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus himself said in Luke 5, verses 31 and 32, that those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick do. And I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. And this massive parable, it comforts the sinners who are with Jesus, who Jesus ate with. And it instructs the scribes and the Pharisees who criticized him. In, in each of the first two stories, something was lost, uh, the sheep or, or the coin. And in both cases, someone had to go looking for the lost item. And in both cases, the finder rejoiced over the recovery And in both cases, Jesus spoke of the joy in heaven over just one sinner who repents. Now, the the point of these two parables is that it is God's will to draw sinners into repentance and so bring them back into God's family. So, how comforting. It, It really must have been to the tax collectors and to the sinners who heard these gracious words. How comforting it must be to us. For we also sin daily, and we do deserve eternal punishment. Now these two stories set the the theme, the tone For the third story, they illustrate the worth of sinners in God's eyes and the joy of heaven over those who repent. The third story brings this teaching into a human family, a father and two sons. Scripture records when the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. He's basically saying this, Hey, Dad, I wish you were dead so that I could have your stuff. Pony up. The normal response would be for the father to rage, to explode, to lose it, and then throw the son out of the house. 
and disown him. The father should declare that his son is dead to him. He is to be treated as a stranger. And even so, Jesus tells us that the father divided his property between them. And this is absolutely insane for the culture of the time. If this were real life, the culture would think about locking up the father for his own protection. Jesus then takes the younger son down into the pit of despair. The son who converted his inheritance into cash and then used it to run away. And then he, he burns through his money in a foolish and, and most wasteful way. And then finally, a drought hit, and he, has been, he finds himself desperately poor, hungry for the first time in his entire life. And Jesus takes this youth down into the depths of desperation by portraying him as caring for a herd, but not just any herd, a herd of ceremonially unclean animals, pigs. This good Jewish kid is taking care of pigs, and these pigs are reminders of the filth of his very soul. And this young rebel without a clue even hungered for the pods that the hogs grubbed up from the earth. Okay, that's just gross. And at the same time, the audience hearing this would think that the youth was only getting what he deserved for his disrespect. This son had shamed his father. He had shamed his family. He had even shamed the village where his family lived. And so a quick death was actually too good for him, this young man who did all this. They would think, let him starve to death among the pigs. That would be justice. It is in this deepest death of despair that this son works out one last plan. He will return to his father, but not as a son. Instead, he will simply ask to be hired as an ordinary worker. And perhaps, just maybe, his father would overlook the shame and, and the mortification that he had brought to his family, and maybe, just maybe, he'd allow him to be a, a lowly laborer. His shame, the son knows, would be enormous. But at least he'd be alive. As a matter of fact, farmers in the first century Israel, they lived together in villages with other farmers and not out on the land that they farmed. So when this son returns, he not only has to encounter, endure the rebuke of his father and his family, but he's fair game for the rebuke of the community. That the, this young man will most certainly be mocked by a crowd that will gather spontaneously at the word of his return. As that travels through the village, they're going to come out. 
And this mocking might even be physically dangerous for the boy. Here we see that the father absolutely throws his own dignity out the window. Jesus said that while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and he felt compassion and he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. Now, in and around here, we're used to seeing people out for a run, out jogging, right? Just for fun, maybe, or for health reasons. But in first century Israel, men wore uh, robes, not jogging outfits. They didn't have t-shirts that said, just do it. They didn't have their Nikes on. So if you want to run in a robe, you have to lift it up so it doesn't trip you. So think, picture in your mind, old guy with his robes hiked up just a bit. His skinny little legs are sticking out and they're flailing away. And his sandals are flipping and flopping all over the ground. And and his hair is just fluttering all over. His beard is just flying all over the place. It's just embarrassing for a man of stature to look like that. And the people who saw the father would be thinking something like, oh my goodness, look at that old goat. His robes are flapping in the breeze. His family really needs to find a way to keep him inside, away from public. And maybe his friends would look the other way and pretend that they they didn't see him. And his servants who are obligated to follow, they are following, and maybe they're wondering, why is this guy, why can't he act his age? And as the son approached the village, he prepared for the gauntlet of ridicule and hatred that he must endure as he makes his way through the village. And the villagers, they might even decide to shame him with spit and stones on his way to his father's house. And then what did he see? What did this boy see? He sees his father running the gauntlet of shame in reverse, taking the shame and the embarrassment of the village onto himself. He further demeaned himself by embracing and kissing this rebellious son. And then the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and, his, and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost but now is found. Now, this is just more than just a father who was concerned about the well-being of his son. By instructing the servants to dress his son, he is reinstating the son as master over the servants. The father's every activity works to honor, to honor this wayward son. And now, instead of walking through the village in shame, the son walks in honor at the side of his father, 
And it's saying, let the party begin. And it does. So here we have an illustration of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Our relationship with Jesus Christ. Our sin showed utter disrespect for God. We shamed and embarrassed Him. We deserved eternal separation from Him. And even so, He was willing to undergo a whole lot more shame than running with His robe and flapping in the breeze, his sandals, his beard, and everything else. He, he endured the spitting. He endured the beating. And he endured the flogging. And then he hung, naked on a cross, for all the world to see the shame of death on a cross. He endured the forsakenness of our sin. He did all this so that we could live in honor forever at his side. And his embarrassment and shame earned eternal life for us. That is what this story has taught us so far. Here is God willing to undergo any shame in any order to bring us back into his family. But the story's not over. What about the older son? Although the older son stayed home, he really didn't have any respect for the father. He should have gone immediately in to join his father as a host. Instead, he showed suspicion by asking an outsider what was happening. And even though his father humiliated himself by coming out to him, the older son refused to come to the party. The older son further shamed the father by arguing with him within earshot of the guests the people in the village. The older son is now the one who has embarrassed his father. He is in the process of bringing shame on himself, bringing shame on his father, and bringing shame on his village. And although he was not the one to run off, he is not much different than the younger son. And once again, we see the father humiliate himself in order to restore the relationship, this time with his older son. And according to the culture, he should have gone nuclear. He should have raged. But instead, he begs him. He begs that son to join the party, to welcome back his younger brother. And a father should not ever have to beg his son. The son should be willing to serve the father, but instead the father is ready to serve this insolent older son. And Jesus didn't say what the older brother did. You see, the fact that Jesus illustrated in this story, these facts, they're still going on today. The older brother 
in the time of this story was told, he was representing the Pharisees. And anyone who resents it when the Holy Spirit brings sinners into the family of God. And some of these Pharisees will reconsider, and some of them will rejoice that Jesus receives sinners and he eats with them after having muttered, look at that. And then other Pharisees will turn away in rejection and they will plot to kill Jesus. And not only does that older brother represent the scribes and the Pharisees, but he also represents many people who live today. This story even causes us to ask hard questions about ourselves. How does our pride make us like the older brother? Are we willing to miss out on God's gifts because we don't get our own way? Do we actually think that our agenda is superior to God's agenda? Is the agenda of the culture around us more important than the agenda laid out in God's word? How will the story end for us? Well, we who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior from sin, we know how the story turns out for us. As God, the Son, serves us this very day with his divine service, he brings heaven to earth. In fact, he himself is the host and the feast as he gives us his body and his blood. We regularly join the heavenly host at the feast of the Lord's table, and we look forward to the day when we will never leave the eternal feast of the Lamb of God. Now for those older brothers who repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we can literally end this story with the words, quote, and he went in with joy to celebrate with his father and brother. And they lived, well, not happily ever after, but happily forever and ever. In the name of Jesus, amen.